Welcome to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. As always, I'm excited that you're joining us. So every week as you listen to the show, of course, I hope you feel my passion. I don't know how you couldn't, but I hope you feel my passion that we're going to change that word sales from that icky, sleazy, smarmy kind of perspective. My world, you really have to come from love, care, and respect. And that is what we're talking about. By shifting that little mindset shift, I'm telling you, you will scale your business, make more sales, improve your career, whatever it might be. Now, to help you on your sales and or business journey, I'm excited to announce that I have an all-star membership. If you are interested, you get me twice a month. You can ask me anything. Plus, all the other peeps on the call are super, super smart. So if you're interested, that info or the link is in the show notes. I would love for you to come and join and play with me. Now, my motivational quote today is by Pierre Amadier. I hope I said his name right. And Pierre says, we have technology. Finally, that for the first time in human history allows people to really maintain rich connections with much larger numbers of people. Now, have you ever gotten a great idea and you think, oh, I know what program to create? Maybe spend a few months putting it all together, um, getting the sales page, recording those professional videos and gotten, that's my, my technical talk today, responses when you launched. And you may have even identified your smallish email list as the problem and then started fixing that piece of the puzzle. But what if you could successfully launch no matter the size of your list or your following? What if your likely prospect could tell you exactly the problem they want you to solve? And oh, by the way, how to describe your program that's going to solve their problem. That's possible if you take the time to build a list of likely prospects from your existing network, host research calls, and viable, um, I'm sorry, and validate your big idea, maybe with a pilot program or something like that. Doing so, bottom line, saves you time, money, and effort, and likely will lead to some pretty cool and unexpected opportunities. So who is my wonderful guest today? His name is Robbie Samuels. Now, Robbie is an author, speaker, business growth strategy coach, um, and he's recognized as a networking expert by Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Lifehacker, and Inc. Yes, I hang out with very cool people. He is also a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer, recognized as an industry expert in the fields of digital event design. Um, Robbie is the author of Croissant versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences, and Smallest, Big Results, Launch a successful offer, no matter the size of your email list. He's also, um, he is a Harvard Business Review contributor, and Robbie is the host of On the Schmooze podcast and No More Bad Zoom Virtual Happy Hours. Please help me welcome the amazing Robbie Samuels to the show. Robbie, thanks for coming on. You make me sound really awesome. I would like Connie to join me everywhere <laughs> I go and announce me as I walk into a room. Isn't Thank it, you so much, Connie. It's great I, to be here. Robbie, I love I love talking to you. And it's funny when people read like your bio, right? And I know this happens to me. I think, who's that person? They sound really smart. I want to get to know them, right? We just live our life and do our thing. And all of these credentials kind of uh, come with the territory, right? Absolutely. And, all you right. know, most recently, I, I had an NPR interview on um, my pre-pandemic expertise networking at events. Yes. That has gotten far and wide. So. I can add that to the list of all the wonderful nouns in the in the intro. 
I know, but it's cool, right? That we, again, that you're making an impact out there. It's being recognized, which let's face it, you know, you put the effort out. We certainly want to get recognized. So kudos to you. I'm really proud of you, my friend. That's just wonderful. All right. So let's talk about it. You've spent over the past, over the, over this past decade focused on teaching people how to network at these live conferences and event. And then the pandemic impacted your business in what way, right? Because that that had to be a big pivot and a hard pivot at that. Absolutely. I mean, as you said, I spent over a decade teaching people how to network at events and conferences. I had a talk that I did all that time. Um, I left my day job and spent five years, you know, really focusing on this full time, launched a podcast, um, published my first book, did a launch a group coaching program, did a TEDx talk, all focused on networking. And I was poised to be an overnight success 10 years in the making. When March 2020, you know, I hit this brick wall, my business basically is shuttered because, you know, live and in person was not happening. And no one needed the skills that I'd acquired and um, been recognized for in the last decade. So I had to find a new way to show up and offer value. I wrote nine ways to network in a pandemic and shared it on March 12th, uh, 2020. And one of those ways was to host a virtual happy hour. So I reached out to a few people I knew and said, hey, if I host a happy hour tomorrow, you know, would you come? And I got some immediate yeses. So that's how I ended up hosting without a lot of other planning. My first ever virtual happy hour on March 13th, 2020, which is essentially the day the world hit pause. I've been hosting it ever since. I hosted it weekly for two and a half years. It's now monthly. It's available as a free event. So no more bad Zoom virtual happy hour. And then the other Fridays are now behind a, a very low paying um, a community club that we run, uh, really more mastermind style. But that, like creating that led to a ton of new opportunities, uh, launched an, an offer a month later. And by the by well, eight nine months later, I had a thriving six figure business based on all new revenue streams. So it, it was a big shift to become a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer, but it all worked out. So, uh, so many questions packed in that answer um, because that's amazing, right? That you were able to pivot and literally less than a year have a six-figure business up and running again, kind of taking some of those skills, transferring them over now to the virtual. Were there a lot of connections from that live that you were able, you know, because once you sit down, because we had quiet time, right? Because we were all put on a timeout by Mother Nature. So here you're sitting there at this quiet time thinking, what do I do now? Did, did it come clear to you quickly what those transferable skills and how you can create this online kind of presence using those transferable skills? I think the first carryover was a philosophy that I always had pre-pandemic, that events are about content and connection. It's the reason we made an effort to get on planes and travel uh, to far off destinations. It wasn't just for the information, but for the possibility of meeting the right kinds of people. And pre-pandemic, I was helping people close the gap between their very high intentions and their very low follow through when it came to networking in person. So when virtual events became ubiquitous and Zoom was something we did all day, every day, we, I knew that virtual events could no longer be an exception to that rule that events were about content and connection. So whereas before we had 45 minutes of death by PowerPoint followed by ineffectual Q&A and no one moderating chat, we were like, yep, that's what a webinar is. I was like, okay, that can't now be what a webinar is. We need you need to thinking beyond that. How do we help people create engagement? And so that's where the experimentation began. That's where those, those Fridays, I learned a lot. I learned 
that I had these transferable skills that I had never really appreciated. And I think that's true for a lot of entrepreneurs and business folks. There are things that we do that are just good. We're good at them, whether it's naturally good and gifted, or we worked really hard maybe early on, but now it's come with a lot of ease. I had happened to work really hard to be good at online facilitation, never giving it a lot of credibility, never really thinking this is a thing I'm going to sell. Um, I also had not identified myself as an MC. In fact, felt like an interloper when I joined an MC Facebook community pre-pandemic. And yet I absolutely have MC skills. <laughs> and I've been an MC in so many situations before and since the pandemic. So I think there were these skills that I had that I was underappreciating that came to light as sort of I dived into this. And I also really like learning tech and teaching it, not for the sake of it, but for like productivity and efficiency and increasing our like understanding of how to use tech, tech well to achieve a certain outcome. So it all lined up in some ways felt inevitable. It's so funny as you were describing that we forget or we, I think sometimes because we're good at something and it comes easy to us that we, we think, well, everybody can do that, right? So the opportunity, listen, COVID was bad when it first came out, right? People were dying left and right. It was, it was scary. It was a scary time. But as a business owner, you know, I did the same thing. You had to sit down and go, what do I do now, right? I, I did everything live and now I'm shifting over to this virtual world where a lot of people didn't even have cameras on their computers. Like, what do we do, right? But I had to sit down too, just like you and say, well, what am I good at? What can I do now that I was doing live and perhaps and just shift and do it digitally? So, you know, that that moment of slowing down to speeding up, Robbie, right? We have to slow down to speed up. And I think if we don't take the time through the year, every year, I don't care if you're in a career or a business, you have to take the time to kind of evaluate where am I right in the trajectory of whatever you want to accomplish for that year. Um, COVID just gave you and I as business owner that opportunity to kind of, again, right, Mother Nature put us on timeouts and said, you know, kind of figure this out. During those, so here's the other thing too, brilliant, whether it was intuitive for you to do the virtual happy hours or your own need for connection, right? There probably was an underlying element of that because you're very outgoing and friendly. We need people, right? That's We're not introvert or hermit kind of people. But with all of that, the information you gained from those virtual happy hours, were you surprised by it? Were you curating it on purpose? Was it happenstance? Like, holy crap, I just figured this out. Well, what happened that first week I knew that I wanted to bring people together because I was like, how can I show up and offer value? And one thing I'm really good at is convening, hosting, gathering, right? I've, in, in, real per, in real life, I would be doing dinners at conferences. So I thought, okay, let's, let's bring people together. And I joked that those first 20 people who came, they were thrilled by the outcome. But in a lot of ways, the bar was set incredibly low because they were looking at their calendar and thinking, I may not talk to anyone who doesn't require me to feed them for like months. <laughs> So, you know, like there was like no reason to leave the house. There was no one to talk to. So like, but um, I realized that even that first session when we went around, which was a very typical, everyone, you know, take a minute to talk about what you do. I knew how to make sure the next person was ready to go and to give them a heads up. Um, I knew to make sure people knew when to mute and unmute. I muted and unmuted people correctly. So a lot of the stuff that I guess was chaotic early on for a lot of people, I, I didn't, I was already coming out of the gate with a certain skill level. A week yeah. later, I opened my first breakout rooms. 
I had never looked under the hood of Zoom. I'd been using Zoom for years by that point, but mostly one-on-one. I was doing groups and and masterminds, but never to the size where I needed breakout rooms. I had never explored them. I had never looked at the settings. And so as people would ask me questions, here's the secret. I would have them type their questions in chat, and then I'd send them to a breakout room for 10 minutes to do some networking. And while they were away, I would take their questions and research them on zoom.us, on YouTube, on Google. I'd find links. I put them all in a document. And when they came back, I'd say, oh, you know, Mary asked a really great question. Mary, um, here's sort of a general sense of the answer. And if you want to dig deeper, here's some links to check out. (laughs) And I just did that when I didn't know what I was talking about, because I'm good at researching. I'm good at finding the right kind of video to send. I can analyze quickly. Part of what was happening is I'm also a business growth strategy coach. And at the time that this was all occurring, I had 12 um, one-on-one clients that I was working with on behalf of a company. And in April of 2020, that company asked me to take on 120 students going through a course about how to build and launch an online course. And I said, yes, because I thought I have no business. And it turned out that that second role was a full-time role disguised as a part-time role. And I had on top of that, these 12 uh, one-on-one, which were lots of hours of conversation each week, plus the you know, the team meetings and the supervision calls. So I was super busy as my own business started to take off again. And I worked every day from April to December, except for Father's Day and Thanksgiving. And my joke is that Thanksgiving doesn't count because it doesn't end in Y. But I was working every day that ended in Y otherwise. (laughs) And it really, um, it was a lot of work. 2020 was an incredibly difficult year as far as just making sure that you took advantage of every opportunity. Now, the best part of that is that no one was paying any attention to what I was doing. And I really wish I could always have that freedom to experiment. If I tried something and it didn't work, that's fine. No one, it's like, here I am years later talking about all the things that went well in 2020, because no one actually knows the things I tried that didn't work. And I think sometimes we hesitate to try things for fear of being called out for for failing or for, for just having a, a wrong assumption or something there, everybody was so self-focused either waiting for the new normal to like go away and come back to the old normal, or they were like hitting the, you know, hitting the gas pedal themselves and trying things out. So I wish that I can continue to have that kind of freedom to experiment and innovate. Yeah. The old, the old saying, right. Dance, like no one's watching. It really was. It was a yeah. very like kind of hectic and freeing at the same time. Yeah, no, I appreciate that for sure. So the online curriculum, right, that you've become kind of masterful at and have the book on and all of that, um, were were you doing that prior to COVID? Oh, no, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't known as a Zoom anything pre-March 2020. So how were you able to so quickly kind of pivot and create this course? Mm. Was it from the the intelligent information that you were receiving from those zoom calls again, like you hear your example of Mary asked a great question. You put them in a breakout room, bam, bam, bam. You started doing research, put it in a document, shared it with that group that night. Was that kind of how you developed the course? Yeah, it was that, but also as people quickly realized I knew something about zoom, I started getting people asking to be booked on my calendar. And this was in, in March. And in the beginning of April, 
um, before I had taken on that additional work and I had sort of availability in my calendar. So suddenly my calendar was full of all these, you know, pick your brain calls. And my extrovert self was just thrilled to have all these social calls. But my coach brain said, you know, I would never tell a client to just treat these as social calls. So I shifted and I turned them into research calls. So even though it was inbound, like I wasn't asking people to set up research calls, but as they came to me, I was sort of pressure testing where the boundaries are, where was the urgency, what was the greatest need, you know, who was the, what audience needed this support the most. And in the end, I realized that it was sort of a mix of speaker friends who were trying to make sure that they were seen as really relevant, not just their content, but their delivery was going to be quality. And they were willing to quickly get up to speed. They they needed to get quickly up to speed. And then there were these meeting professional, uh, virtual assistants, executive assistant type folks who wanted to retool and make sure that their toolbox included the ability to produce these kinds of events. And I and I actually decided they were going to be fine being in one cohort, and they would maybe work find work with each other over time. Um, so I announced April fourteenth the the this is going to be a four week program starting in May. Fifteen people signed up for five hundred dollars a piece. Uh, after the first session, it was going to be three live sessions over a four week period. After the first session, I was like, "This is awesome! I'm going to do it again." I announced the second month. And I actually ran it four months in a row with no breaks. And the third month, it became a certification program. I added on additional requirements in order to get certified. Um, and the price you know, went up and up and up and up. Um, but in four months, I, I had 40 or so people go through the program. And I didn't have any mention of it on my website until the third month. And my website skills, web design skills are not what I'm known for. And so it was pokey. <laughs> it was poorly done. And again, it's not why people were buying. People weren't, you know, I think we sometimes think we need to have everything lined up and perfect. I was doing all this live. I didn't have any video. I didn't have anything pre-recorded. That led to me pre-recording all, all kinds of content that I shared on social that I've used in programs and courses, but I didn't do that until the fall of 2020. And eventually I ended up with 60, 70, three to five minute video clips. And that, but like before all that even happened, I was pressure testing all this. And what happened is then organizations started reaching out by the summer, asking if I could, you know, give them some feedback about their upcoming event. And because I have a background in events, it turns out I had all this transferable skill that I could apply. Now it's in person versus online, but I understood that we were trying to reimagine using online tools and I'm a strategist. And so I'm going to be thoughtful in what we employ. So by the by August, I was being booked. And by November, you know, I had the six figure business and it was it was going up, up, up. So it just um, yeah, it was paying attention and yes, trying things. Cause there's other things I tried in those first few months that, you know, the, it wasn't the right audience. And I, I was able to determine that right away. Um, so for instance, individual entrepreneurs, like kind of our solopreneur friends they didn't have the budget in that moment to like pay me to do big things. Yes. But they did need a skill set. So they would, they would pay to be trained or have a team member train rather than paying me to come and do it. So then I'm like, okay, well, that's going to be that offer. And then there was, okay, there are these nonprofit organizations that are committed to having 
their events continue this year, they're willing to actually put money into a budget to have someone produce. And so, and they don't necessarily want the one-on-one training, but they want me to, in, as a part of the package, to so up-level the skills of their team members. And so that I was just basically understanding these different audiences and a lot of what you said in the intro, it's like hearing how they talk about it, what was the stress for them. And so my language ended up being that I help organizations bring their events online with less stress and greater participant engagement. And those were the things they really wanted. They didn't want to be as stressed out about it and they wanted people to feel the engagement. So it was, it was a lot of listening. And then in 2021, I published my second book, which answered the question, Robbie, how did you do that <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic? A book, by the way, that I'd started working on in 2018. I had written 20,000 words oh. um, based on what I knew from my business coaching. And I put it away because I realized it wasn't part of the plan in the moment. I dusted it off and I added more content based on three years of experience and everything I had done for myself and added all these different stories. And I also had realized from the stuff I was doing with my clients that they needed more handholding. Those 120 students taught me a lot about, you know, you say, oh, well, you just, you just go to LinkedIn and you just do these research. And they're like, uh -huh, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I have to walk you through. How do you download it? How do you set up the spreadsheet? Like every step. So the book ended up coming out October, 2021. That's now at 211 Amazon reviews, number one in eight cat paid categories. You know, just it, I did a big launch around it and that was able to help me put my coaching um, back on sort of the front burner of my own business because I didn't want to let go of it. I, I, I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur and I can't let go of these things. Absolutely. I get it. There was so much in there to unpack. It's crazy here, but here's the biggest takeaway, I think, and everybody listening. And I, again, I don't care if you're a business owner or if you're a career, you know, in, in a corporate setting, did you hear what he said? He listened, <laughs> he right. didn't make crap up. Right. And then say, Oh, I think I'm going to create this. I think this is a great idea and I'm going to create it, or I'm going to take it to my boss because, and I'm going to push it down their throat because I think this is the best thing since sliced bread. You did the reverse. You kind of parked yourself, sat in observation mode, listening mode, right. And asked the right questions or just watched where the pain points were, where people were struggling and thinking, Oh, wait a minute. I'm good at that. Oh, wait a minute. I could figure that out. Like putting them in the break room, going and doing the research. And then delivering it, right? So that you, you were constantly in teach. You were really, really, you were constantly in learn mode for self and then yes. translate that to teach mode for others, right? I do and think you, teaching is one of the best ways to learn though. Agree, agree. Yeah, you, you perfect that skill as soon as you learn it and then you share it and you're excited, right? Because it's a new skill. So now you're bringing that enthusiasm plus the education and knowledge that that person needs. It's funny when you said about LinkedIn, now LinkedIn is a thing, but before COVID, right? LinkedIn was kind of, yeah, you need a job, make sure your LinkedIn profile's up to date, right? And, and network with people through that. And now all of a sudden we're using it really as a business uh, development tool. So it's funny when you were saying they were like, wait, how do you do that? We assume everybody knows what we're talking about. And right, Robbie, the reality is if they haven't been doing it or haven't had to do it, 
it's overwhelming as well because they don't know what they have blind spots, right? I don't know what to ask. I don't even know. What did you just say? Can you show me that? Because they don't even know where they are on the scale of, I know nothing to, I'm, I'm pretty good at this scale. They don't even know where they fall, right? Did you find that a lot? Yeah. I mean, I, my book, putting the book together, I, I, I sort of tested the concepts in the book as I was writing it. And so before the book came out, I actually had people go through um, this two-hour program, I ran it maybe 10 or 11 times. And there's a section of the book called Wake Up Your Network, which is where you take your LinkedIn list or any other list of contacts and you do some prioritization. Uh, and it's all to help you discover likely prospects and likely referral partners that you're ready to reach out and start setting up these research calls. So it's really a pre-phase. It's, like, it's an important first step. And I knew that I needed to make sense and so before the book was published, I gave people access to this workbook, and that was the pre-work to coming to the two-hour call. And then we sort of talked through where they were in the process, what comes next, what are their questions, what are the next steps, what's around the corner. And that gave me an understanding of like what else needs to go in the book. Because even when you're writing a book, that's yeah. it sells, right? Like you want to make sure that the thing you create is actually what people want and need and will be useful. Yeah. Yeah. So those people were also the first to con to join my launch team, to spread the word, <laughs> like to leave reviews because they had really experienced that. And so having that community of people validate what I was doing helped me know that this was a book worth finishing. Um, but I, I think we often skip that step. A lot of times as experts, we know just from observing what the market needs. We are like, oh, I know these, I see people, I've talked to you today. I'm like, okay, I know what I need to create. And we rush ahead. And what we end up doing is creating things sort of in a vacuum without yeah. a lot of input, particularly not input from the people who are most trying to support. So time goes by, sometimes six months, even a year and a half, we emerge with a finished offer, product, service, app, whatever it is. And we say, here you go, marketplace. And the market goes, wait, who are you? What is this? I, I don't need this. And we're devastated because we know, like we're experts. We know, but the thing is the people we're trying to help, they don't know they need this. They literally are not aware of that bigger problem. And they're looking for more of a Band-Aid solution. And you've just came to them with surgery. And they think that is not for them because you're not talking to them. And so that gap between their understanding of the problem they know they have and they're willing to admit and your understanding of the problem they don't even know they have, but they've got to deal with in order to get real results, that gap is what our messaging, marketing, outreach, uh, research calls, every conversation we have has to be about closing that gap. Everybody puts the cart before the horse, running to the finish line to create this perfect product service, whatever it is, corporations do it too. They come to the market with a product and it becomes a dud. Um, I think corporations do, they have deeper pockets, right? So they could do a better job of the market research, um, but you're only as good as the market researcher doing that research. But I think we put the cart before the horse because we think we know the answer. Assumption is really, really dangerous. And I love how you kind of we're do literally doing it live. You had kind of the outline of the book, a lot of really 20,000 words. That's a lot. That's a lot already in the book. But then to go back, revamp it, add more, <clears throat> we have to constantly reiterate and perfect. I hate that word perfect because, right, there is no perfection. But as we rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, it should be getting better and better and better and should remain relevant 
to the marketplace, no matter what's happening, right? COVID taught us anything. It's you got to flex and pivot and do it pretty easily. So you really have, I think, that piece of the puzzle dialed in on how you you kind of run your business, but also how your brain works, I think, is intuitive for you almost, if I'm hearing you correctly. But then you you put the, the horse before the cart every time you start to think about, oh, there might be something here. You go right to the market research and find the people and, and just pick brains. And then you start with the creation, right? Did I, did I get that right, Robbie? Yes, but I don't want to make it sound like I've never made the misstep because I think every entrepreneur I've ever talked to has made the misstep. Uh, I know that when I was, and I talk about it in my second book, you know, I had a pilot that was working really well for this group coaching program. I went to sell the next iteration, 250 people got to the landing page and viewed it. So I had no problem with marketing. No one booked a call. No, not a single person booked a call. But in the same few weeks that I gave myself to do this, uh, I had several people reach out to book related coaching packages, things that were not auctioned on my website. Hey, Robbie, can you help with this? Hey, Robbie, can you help with that? Not the offer. And I said, yeah, we can. And I start making things up. I finally met with a business coach who helped me realize my audience was right in front of me. And I was not branding this for that audience. It was too generic. Mm -hmm. um, it was geared towards the wrong kind of people. And so once I revamped that messaging and rebranded it, then I was able to reach back out to the people. And I realized that basically it was all these entrepreneurial women in their 50s and beyond who had reached out to me, my pilot, and all the people who were reaching out to me for these one-off projects. And so when I rebranded it and really focused in on that audience, I'm realizing these are the women who are ready to grow their impact and income through a new kind of revenue stream. Yeah. And they like my approach. They understand that I could help them find people from within their existing network and help them build something new and that they're not going to spend lots of money. Like I, when I get on a call with someone and like, Oh, I hired an SEO person and I, <laughs> and I hired someone to like revamp my website. I'm like, have you sold anything? <laughs> you know, they're like, well, I'm like, stop paying these people. You don't even know if the messaging you're creating is going to work. Like you're like, none of it's validated. So I'm like, don't even pay me until you do this work, you know, and I give them enough homework to test it out on their own. But I think the difference is that my ideal client sees this process and thinks, I believe that could work for me. I want to get it done correctly. I'm going to hire the person who helped can really help me. That's Robbie, you know, Robbie, Share with me the problem. I now understand the bigger problem. I see the better solution. And I know with his help, I'm going to get further faster. That's the ideal client. Other people have read the book and just taken action. They don't need my help. I'm still doing good in the world. They're going to be great referral partners in the future. That's right. right? The more people who follow the process and find it useful to them, and they may reach a point in the process where they need help. Like, so I, I don't need to hold everyone's hand. That's but I right. want to make sure people know I'm available. So it's just a, I think a lot of times we sort of think we can only offer support in one way. And I'm, I'm trying to offer a wider gamut. And it's funny, you know, you know, I have my seven, seven step process. I published the book <laughs> during COVID. Well, I, I tease all the time. I say, 
So when COVID hit, what did small business owners do? We wrote books or we took books off the shelf like you did, right? And and get it to the market to try to help people because you do, you feel so trapped. I, I felt trapped. Like I was so used to helping people. And now all of a sudden we were hermits and it was like, well, wait a minute. I, I still have so much to give so much to share. So it's funny as I go through uh, my seven steps on, on my process. And you mentioned some that you, some of your stuff fits into parts of my seven step process, right? Because there's, you know, there's a bunch of sub skills under every step within whatever your process is, people out there listening, whatever your process is, there's a whole bunch of sub skills that we have to kind of master and get good at. The thing though, Robbie, for you is you understand, stop spending money, earn the money and then spend the money, right? So you kind of, you don't go broke. You could put food on the table. You could still survive and live, enjoy your business, but then kind of grow as the income grows. And everybody, I just feel like we do things upside down and backwards um, in business, in our career, because we think, let me, let me see if I could phrase this right. We hear, you said it before at the onset of the show. It only took me 10 years to be an overnight success. (laughs) And everybody sees the overnight success, quote unquote, and they think, oh, I could duplicate that. But they never do the research. They never really identify their true zone of genius. What differentiates them? Where's the gap that they can fill in for people that need their service? We just see the overnight success and then we go out and try to duplicate what's not us. Did that just make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Humans, we're crazy. We're out of time, but I, I, dude, man, people need you. Okay. I, I listen, he's, he's on speed dial in my world, right? And I belong to his membership group and I get all his emails and I read every one of them. There's always good tips. He always shares good strategies. And that's another thing I just want to commend you on, Robbie. You know, a lot of people, they talk the talk you walk the walk. So you're always providing phenomenal content. You, I just used your uh, Zoom. You have a Zoom checklist. It was in the membership or something I've gotten from you. And I went through and I said, oh, you know what? Let me, he's very good at this. Let me make sure all my settings are correct because I'm doing a workshop right next week. And I was like, okay, there was two that I did not have that you had marked off. I thought, oh, see, I would have missed it. So again, you have these simple, simple, silly checklists, but they like quickly, I did this in five minutes. I thought, Oh, another good resource from that man. Yeah. I I mean, I think that having the right kind of lead magnets and some of my lead magnets are uh, master classes that I did for free years ago, that Mm -hmm. the replay is, is the opt-in because Mm -hmm. it's the kind of content people ask me about all the time. Mm -hmm. It preserves my time rather than me sitting down with you to walk you through the zoom settings or talk to you about how to launch a podcast or how I sure. launched a, a best-selling book. I can say, here's all the information. Here's the, you know, download the notes. Here's the video. Here's a checklist. And then if you are serious about wanting support, now we're going to have a very different conversation. So for those who are listening, robbysamuels.com forward slash videos, will get you the Zoom settings checklist and like 30 of my best Zoom strategy videos. Uh, smalllistbigresults.com is where you'll find out about my second book, but also the Big Results Toolkit is available through smalllistbigresults.com. And uh, yes, Connie is in my contentandconnectionclub.com. That is my my monthly membership, super low cost. Just want to give people an opportunity to connect and engage. We host um, these mastermind calls on Friday nights. And then nomorebadzoom.com is my free virtual happy hour, first Friday of the month. I do a lot of different things that I never know what thing people want to support on. And I sort of want to offer a full range. And if I can't help someone, 
there's someone in my network who can. So exactly. Please say hello. Please reach out on LinkedIn. I love connecting to people who've heard me on podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have a question direct, because he just went through a long list, I promise on the show notes, I will put the website. I'm also going to put the uh, big results toolkit and which is a smallest big results dot com, that information. And I'm also going to put Robbie's email, which is Robbie at Robbie Samuels dot com. So that if you have a question specific for Robbie that you didn't get answered whether it be in the toolkit or on the website, um, you, you know, you have access to him as well. So I highly recommend connecting with him at whatever platform you desire. Um, wealth of information. Let me rephrase that. A wealth of useful information. So, Robbie, thank you so much for being in my world and just sharing so much logical approach <laughs> to business and life. So thank you so much for that. And you're just, uh, you're a gem. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Connie. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I always love hanging out with you, my friend. Great job, as always. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together that no matter where you are on your journey of business and or career, I really do hope my guests and I provide some ideas, tips, strategies that you can take. Because I know I say this at the end of every show, Robbie, right? Information is a beautiful thing. If we do nothing with it, it's simply information. So take some of the ideas, the research, you know, doing the research, check out Robbie's website, do something that's action oriented. And I promise you magic happens on the back end of that. So uh, Robbie, as always, thanks for joining me today. Um, Thank you all for joining me. You've been listening to changing the sales game on webtalkradio.net with me, your host, Connie Whitman. Um, I truly wish you all an inspired week filled with whatever magic you can drum up by putting some of the ideas you hear on the show into action. Um, Again, if you're happy with the show and you love tuning in, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, share because sharing is caring and please rate and review. I too, like Robbie, love reading your love notes. It really inspires us to continue to do what we do out in the world. So again, thank you so much for joining. I'm honored that you're here. Robbie, thank you again. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time. Thanks. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow. Follow.